Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And um, James chapter 2, my contacts have messed up on me, so I had to switch to my glasses, and so it's a little bit odd for me um, preaching in glasses because I, I normally don't wear them. Uh, so they're trifocals with no lines. I'm vain. Uh, so I'm having to shift like this. And so if I drop my head to look, it's because I can't see clearly, Brother Jason, who you are. Here, you look like your father. Here, you look like yourself. So... Brother Moore is like, you insulted me. Sorry about that. So James chapter 2, we've been going verse by verse, and if there is a great chapter that will tell us about church, let me just stop and tell you this, that church is that place that is a neutral ground for all believers. Um, if you and I were having a gathering at our house, whether you and I would, would think so or not, if we were having a gathering at our house, we would be very selective about who we would ask to come. Um, that's just because of who we are. Now, whenever I say things like that, people are like, no, no, pastor, everybody's welcome at our house. Good. Then I'm going to start passing out flyers and put your address and say free room and board. Uh, so this is why you have security systems. This is why you have dogs. This is why you have... Um, just different things. That's why you don't answer the door because you look out the peephole and it's like, shh, quiet. Uh, so, but God's house is totally different. At God's house, everybody who walks through that back door, they walk into God's house. Now, the Bible tells us in James chapter two, and we were, the, the two verses we're studying in depth tonight that we're adding to is verse number six and verse number seven. But let's kind of review just a little bit. And so he's talking about the assembly in verse number two. I believe that the game changer for one of the contributing factors to church growth is not only getting out and taking the gospel out, and by the way, uh, soul winning and getting the gospel out should be done first and foremost in your daily life as you live out your day. Um, some people say, well, you know, soul winning time is coming up. Soul winning time is when you put your boots on and you walk through your day, everybody you meet, these are the people. You say, Pastor, I don't wear boots. When you put your sandals on, Brother Matthew, these are the days. So, so understand that this is who we are because God is going to use where you live, what you do for a living to put you around people that need to hear about the gospel. And uh, when we redo the auditorium, um, we're going to have full house Sunday. And, uh, and I want, because they're going to be individual chairs, um, I want every chair filled. I'm, I want every chair filled. And I just want to see what happens. So I've been inviting people to come. Uh, so I was at the barber shop a couple of days ago. And uh, I think I got two people from the barber shop coming. And I said, look, I've sat in this chair. Now I want you to come sit in the chairs in the auditorium. And uh, the difference is I won't make you pay. And I won't touch your head. Amen. So, so, so know this, but when people do come in, when people do come into this assembly, the atmosphere that happens inside this auditorium, this makes the difference. This makes the difference. And the, and the hard thing to teach 
is the fact don't do it pastor's way. Everybody, we all must do it the Bible way. So here in verse number one, let's walk through it. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? So what he's telling us, and he's stressing here, that if you're claiming the name of Christ, Christ for God so loved the what please world that he gave his only begotten son. So Christ's love was for the what world. Then how can our love be for just a select group of people? We cannot look at this house and look around the auditorium and say, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to sit in that section because they're not in that section. We cannot look at it that way. We must understand that church is for the world to come in here and it's for hurting people to come in. I love the fact that people come visit. I love the fact that I get to shake people's hands and meet people. And uh, Angie's walking through the back door, so I'm going to pick on Angie. That teenage girl walking right there. She's, she had, she, one of her co-workers came, and she's been about three times. And, and I will tell you, because the spirit of Emmanuel and just the membership has made that young lady feel so welcome that it's like, I love church. The other day, I was really getting wound up and preaching on a Sunday night, and she sat there and looked at me like I had lost my mind. And, uh, and Angie's like, yeah, he's crazy. He lost his mind. But, but I'll tell you, afterwards, I, I went to her and I said, look, I'm so glad you came. And sometimes I, have you ever experienced anything like this? And she's like, no. I said, are you enjoying it? She goes, yeah. But it's not because of me. You know what it's because? Because of everybody around her and the atmosphere that happens when you walk into a church. James chapter 2 is telling us that we can't have this faith with respect to persons. If you would go to verse number 2. And then verse number 2 and verse number 3 and verse number 4, uh, they all go together. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, so that, that little phrase there, come in also, in the Greek means it's happening at the same time. So if at the same time, through the back doors of an assembly in a church, there comes somebody with goodly apparel, and then there comes somebody in vile raiment. Then the Bible says this, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? We talked about during these verses that, that these two opposites, goodly apparel, vile raiment. Now I'm going to talk about these two here in just a moment. But what he's trying to tell this assembly is this. If all of a sudden you see somebody in goodly apparel and it's like, oh, that little last phrase right there, are you not judges? In the very end it says, and, and are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? What, what it literally means is, oh, oh, they have goodly apparel, so that means they can help our church. That, that, that means they may have money. That, that means they may have things. And we start then becoming partial in our treatment, if you will, of, of, of different things going on. But then yet we look at somebody in vile raiment, somebody who on the outside doesn't look like they have anything, and we make them token. In fact, it says there, if you'll find it very interesting, at the end of verse number three, sit here under my footstool. It, it's just, they're, they're not even worthy of being a footstool. It's, it's like just right there. And many times churches will use 
the poor, if you will, and I use that with as much respect as I can because we're getting ready to talk about the poor, but many times people use the poor as a token of their heart rather than a consistency of who they are. It doesn't matter. It, It doesn't matter. From this past Sunday, I can't wait till about six months from now to tell a couple of stories, but this set of verses was put into action this past Sunday, and I was amazed how that some of the church members, knowing what was going on, knowing the dynamics, they were like, man, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're here, and they had no idea what that did for the people around them. So understand, it's very true. A church, your 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 heart is being ready to be revealed. The motives are being ready to be revealed of what happens in your spirit when these two walk in. Okay. Single young ladies. You let a good-looking guy, single, show up to a church. I promise you, the single young ladies, like, Who's it? Who, who is that? Who is, who, who is that? Who is that? Somebody go find out who that is. And, and, uh, and, and then when they find out he's married, it's like, oh, man. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, it's like, oh, oh. That can't happen. They, let it happen to the young ladies. Maybe they'll get married the first time. But to a church, that can't happen. To a church, we are to be excited because people are here. So there is these two points. So, so verse number two through verse number four, this, this, this goodly apparel, this vile raiment. So he's saying, look, if you say you have the faith of Jesus, don't be a respecter of person. Let me give you an example. If two people come in, there should not be this, oh, you, goodly apparel, Wow, sit here. Oh, vile raiment, just stand over here. So then he goes a little bit further in verse number five. And this is what we talked about last week. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? So now we must understand this, that God gives his opinion on those that are poor in this world. Now, let, let me stop and just say this, if, if I could. Please do not underestimate the fact that those that are, okay, let me put it this way, not all poor people in vile raiment are rich in faith. One of the hardest things I do as a pastor is I have to, I have to determine between everybody, they're poor in raiment, it's obvious they don't have anything, but are they rich in faith or are they vile in their depravity? There are some people that they're just trying to get one over on the church. But then not all rich people are scoundrels. You know, there are some people who don't have anything, but their faith is huge. And there are people who have things and their faith is huge. Huge. But you know where the respect comes from? Their faith. Not what they have or not what they don't have. It's their faith. And this is the dividing point. And when a church can wrap their arms around this, everyone who walks through the back door, it doesn't matter their social standing, their economic standing out there. All that matters is this. They have come to God's house for something from God. And because of that, Our attitude should mirror God's heart that says this, everybody's welcome, 
Everybody should be able to come here. You should be able to look at your neighbors and look at everybody. Hey, hey, they would love to help. They, they would love to help. Hey, you would feel good at Emmanuel Baptist. Come on, let's come to church. And every church should be this way. So James chapter two is teaching us this. So now let's get down, if you would, to James chapter two, and let's look at verse number six and verse number seven. So, so James is telling them that, look, look, don't, don't, don't be partial in who comes and know this, that God has chosen the, the poor of this world um, that are rich in faith. In fact, if we could go to Matthew chapter 5, and, and I, and I want to show you Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, one of the very beginning lessons on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, just to, just to kind of keep it in context, the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 and ends, I believe, in chapter 7. And let me get to it. Matthew chapter 5. And look at verse number three, in verse number three. Matthew chapter five and verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you will hold your place there and then go back to James chapter two and, and verse number five, look at James chapter two and verse number five. He said this, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, look at this, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath, what please? Promised to them that love him. Where did he promise this at? He promised it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 3. When someone is poor in spirit, which means regardless of what they come in with, if their spirit is poor to the point to where I don't have anything, I need God. Not, I don't have anything in regards to money. I don't have anything in regards to spirit. I need God. This dependence upon God is what we want everybody having. This is what makes church the way it is. Everybody must come in hungry for the things of God. Everybody must come in, I, I need God right now. And I'll just let me, just by the way, members, whenever we fill up on the world, we're not hungry for God. Let's, let's just get honest. Do you, do you know how I think maybe Saturday, somewhere on Saturday, you need to unplug the world and start getting ready? Just start getting ready. We're going to have our fall revival in the fall. And, uh, and I was thinking much about teen convention, thinking much about the fall revival, thinking much about the missions conference, thinking much about uh, the single renewal thinking much about the ladies' conference. So we have those four conferences. And, and I'm thinking about these, and I wonder what would happen if Emmanuel, would, Emmanuel Baptist members would reach up and unplug for 24, 48 hours. Hey, do you know intermittent fasting? How many know what I'm talking about? Intermittent fasting? It, it jumpstarts your metabolism? I wonder what happens spiritually if we would do that. I wonder if we came in empty, poor, Nothing's, got our, nothing's filled our spirit up. I wonder what would happen inside this auditorium and to us. So this promise that was made in James chapter 2 was, look, blessed are the poor in spirit. So, so you find here that, that two people come in, one that's poor and vile raiment, one that is in goodly apparel, gay apparel, and that doesn't mean a queer or sodomite, just means a bright apparel. Now let's go to chapter, uh, verse number 6. Now God begins right now to focus on, on the rich. So now he comes along and he says, look, now I'm going to tell you what your attitude is. 
Up until this point in James, he it's all if, it's all conjecture. It's all if somebody comes into your assembly, if there is vile and goodly, if you do this, you're partial. But then he makes a definite statement in verse number six. And y'all, this, this is not what we want as a church. Look at the definite statement. So he proposes the if in verse number two. He tells them the premise that partiality is not good. He tells them God's mind about the poor. But then he says, verse number six, look at it. But ye have, what's the next word, please? Despised the poor. I find that very interesting that despise means that you have rendered infamous. You have already made them in your heart. Despising means you've already come to a conclusion in your heart that what I see has made me come to a conclusion that this person is no good. All of us have been there to where we have misjudged somebody. We have misjudged somebody. We were having a hobo party here years and years ago. And, um, and uh, we, uh, we've done a couple of times with the teenagers when I was youth pastor, and everybody dressed up like, like, like they were a hobo. And we would get these uh, uh, 50-gallon drums, and, and we, would, we would go out into a field, and, and we would cook weenies, you know, and we would take cans of soup, take the labels off. So they had to bring a can of soup with no label on it. We'd open that thing up and we'd dump it in there. And I stopped that after some teenage guys brought dog food and dumped it in there. And yeah, after that, I was like, okay, we're not doing this again. And uh, so, so I dressed up like a hobo and I come walking down the loop and, and I just kind of showed up among the teenagers and, and they didn't know who I was. And um, when they figured it out, but, but it was amazing. It is amazing how that, the judgmental, and I was laughing because they looked worse than I looked. They smelled worse than I smelled at that time. And how dare you judge me, you bunch of hypocrites. Uh, so, so know this, that now he's getting ready to say, let me tell you what kind of church. So James is saying, if somebody comes in, Here's how this is, but now let me tell you who you are. Ye have despised. You've already drawn that conclusion in your heart, and then look at the very next phrase. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? Now, let's talk about the influence of rich people in a church that are not in it for the faith. So let's talk about that. I find it very interesting that now churches are being bought, built for the sake of a marketing campaign, for the sake of an investment. We were given a church not long ago, several, several years ago, and, um, and, and we were having a hard time selling the property um, simply because of the fact we didn't have the money to put into it to bring it up to city code. We just had no way to bring it up to city code. The city was asking, it was a distant city from here, they were asking too much to bring it up. 
And so all of a sudden, we were, we're, we're, try, we're paying the utilities, we're paying the insurance, we're paying the upkeep, and, and, and all of a sudden the city was like, to get this back, you're going to have to do this and this. And we couldn't even turn it into a church plant because just the property itself. And so what we thought was this gift, we just, we struggled with, we couldn't get it. We didn't have the money to take care of it. And so then we decided, let's put it on the market. And then it kicked to a point to where the church was losing money on this property. We had to sell this thing very, very quickly. One of the groups I met with to sell this property, here was the discussion. Yeah, if each of us put X amount of money in, we could take this thing, we'll find out what people want in this city, we'll market it a certain way, after five years we can get our investment out. And I'm listening to them go through this, and, and, I'm, and I looked at the realtor and I said, excuse me? And then they said this, we do this all the time. We buy a piece of property, we take a building, we call it a church, we market it with the music and we market it with professional people. We get somebody that's good in there, we build it, and then the church gives us a return. And I, I just started laughing, I said, who does this kind of stuff? You know what it is? rich people that don't have faith. I think we've been so spoiled with true Christianity in church that this, this is amazing. Do you know that there are, are people all the time? Y'all, church work is a shark fest sometimes. Do you, do you know there are churches that, that rich people get in there and then rich people run people off? We're going to look at a couple of verses here. They run people off only to get all the membership gone, step into position, sell the property, pocket the money, and divide it between three. I am telling you that when James is talking about how does a church do that, you know how a church does that? Is when all of a sudden you give kudos and credence to rich people and put them in seats of prominence in the church, and then all of a sudden, the Bible says three questions here in verse number six. Because you've despised the poor, because this is not what we want our church to look like, and, and God forbid if the new carpet and the new chairs make us not care about the poor, then how about we just keep the, the pews and we, and we just, we just, let's just keep concrete and just put chairs everywhere and just love people. I'm for God's house looking nice, but not at the expense of us becoming snots. Is that a good Bible pulpit word, snots? So, so look at it, it says there. There's three things. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat. So, so he asked this question, and the word oppress means to lord, okay? So the word oppress means this. Once somebody, again, people with money doesn't mean they're bad people. And people who are poor doesn't mean they're spiritual. It's all about the faith in here. It's all about has, has this poor that, that you're struggling with, has it made you a victim or has it made you hungry for God? And has riches, when God blesses you and I, it should make us to where, God, you're the one that did this. I, there's no way I could have all this. You did this for me. 
And Lord, I need you. But once people with money are given preferential treatment, once people that have the cash are, and, 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 and listen, that's one reason why um, just buying the bindery and trying to make a couple of moves is, is it's, it's all to position us to get out of debt because you can't serve God and mammon. Because the hardest thing a pastor does is come to the pulpit and not worry about who he offends with what he says. And I'll tell you, that's why sometimes, Brother Hicks, I'm like, let's switch, Doc. Because to be an evangelist, just going to, it's like, especially, especially when it's like, I love you, brother. My job's to blow in, blow up, and blow out. Praise God on that one. And an evangelist's job is to take a church and shake it to its core and take the sheet and just shake it like that until where this is what we do. But this is what happens. And, 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 and Emmanuel Baptist, you, we can't get enamored with celebrities and we can't get enamored with the kind of car somebody drives and we can't get enamored with the cost of the clothes on the body next to us because everybody, everybody's human. Everybody is the same. But when it happens, here's what happens. He, he uses two words that he uses the word oppress. He uses the word draw. I'm sorry, three words in these two verses, and I have about 20 minutes. He uses the word oppress, and he uses the word draw, and he uses the word blaspheme. Now, now understand, if a rich person, because of their riches, are given a prominence, then what happens is, is that they now will do three things. And listen, Paul was very clear about this, that people lie in wait to deceive. The devil has the Antichrist already set up. He has always had the Antichrist ready because he doesn't know when the Lord's coming back. So he's always, some people thought it was Kissinger back then. Some people thought it was Barack Obama. Uh, some, some, some people think it's the, uh, never mind. Um, so, so, so you, you know, the Antichrist that, that's poised to get this thing done. Well, understand, a church every week, every week a church is put to the test by who walks through that back door and how do we respond and what happens. So because of that, this oppress, which means to exercise control, this word draw means to this power to lead, and, it's, and, and, and the word draw means it's like a magnet that, that draws, and you don't even see it, but boy, it's happening. Let me show you this in action. Go to 3 John, if you will. Go to the book of 3 John. I do not know if the man mentioned in 3 John was rich. I do want to show you the power when somebody that has bad intentions on the, on the inside of their heart, what happens. And by the way, I don't think we know who it is, and that's why we have to make sure that we're always excited about people who come to church. So look at 3 John. And let's pick up in verse number 9, 3 John, verse number 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, 
neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Here you have a man that rose to preeminence and he used his preeminence. He used his preeminence to do several things. Look at it. He, he would not receive. So these letters that were written, he wouldn't receive John. Then he said this, prating against us with malicious words, not content therewith, not just with the words, neither doth he himself receive the what? Brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and cast them out of the church. So please know this. If you're ever walking among the membership of the church as a member, and you hear somebody say, what are they doing here? What are they doing here? I don't think they need to be here. Why are you associating with them? This is not church. And nobody has that right to ask somebody not to come back to church. Now, I do that. I did that several weeks ago. Because a man asked a woman to come to his apartment. And I said, sir, you're no longer welcome at Emmanuel because you're here to ask women to come to your apartment. Now, as quiet as it is right now, y'all listen, this is not what church is for. This is not a dating scene. We're not picking up women down at the house of God. Okay? We come to go to church. Well, it got quiet, but that's okay. But we're, we're not talking about those kind of people. We're talking about people who, who have this air of superiority. And if you go back to James chapter 2, it's very clear here that, that in James chapter 2, that if the rich ever do get into something like this, in James chapter 2, look what it says here. But, but, but you've despised the poor. So when you tell the poor, we don't even want you, now you automatically cater to the rich. And guess what's going to happen? You don't even realize that when you put these people in charge and you make them the litmus test of everything they want. We're blessed here. I How many know what I'm talking about? You've been in churches to where the rich people rule it. Y- y'all know what I mean? It's, it's where like, oh, he's got money. Don't offend him. Don't, don't, don't offend him. He, 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 could, he could pay off our church debt. Y'all, if there's somebody is like that, I won't offend them until they pay off the church. No, I'm kidding. And uh, so, so, <laughs> so understand that, that this is what happened, the oppression and then the drawing away. And then I find this very interesting as we come to the end. Look what it says here that they do. Now, these are re- rhetorical questions. Do not the rich men oppress you? He's not asking for an answer. It's already answered in himself. Yes, in itself. Yes, yes. They lord, they oppress draw you and draw you before the judgment seats? I find that very interesting because now they are taking the nature of the church and they're bringing this before groups of people. That's why it's plural there, judgment seats. These were tribunals. When a church grows like this, um, it, it's very difficult when, when somebody says, hey, pastor, did, did you, and this has not happened to me, praise God, not at this church. Um, hey, pastor, did you know that group's meeting over there and, and that group over there is, 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 is kind of um, ganging up on the church? That, does, that doesn't happen here. Now, when it does happen at a church, that's what this means. 
Because all of a sudden, this influence that somebody has money-wise, they now use this power of influence to draw away a segment of people because they fund them. And when this begins to happen, then all of the sudden, there is not an impartiality. There is a partiality, and we got problems because now the third thing it says here about when rich people get into a church. Now, let me just stop and say this. Your riches and my riches compared to his riches were poor. Okay? So rich is relative. If you've got a relative that's rich, you're rich. Rich is only relative. Come on. Rich, I like what Brother Bowen said, you're only 24 hours away from having nothing. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? You're only 24 hours away from having nothing. And, And I'm telling you, but we must be very, if somebody comes in and, and, and you find out they have money, you know, don't go, you're of the devil. You know, that doesn't what that means. It, it just simply means that if, if we start catering to those who are rich, but then look at this last one in verse 7, do they not blaspheme? Now, this is pretty incredible right here. Do they not blaspheme that worthy name? Now, look at the wording here because it's very indicative back in Acts. We're going to look at four verses in the book of Acts. Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are what? Called. Now, to you and I, this doesn't mean very much in the context of 2022, all right? But these were real believers, and they were called by a name. This is what this is talking about. It doesn't mean God called you out of something. It means this is what you're called by. This is what you're known for, and now it's being blasphemed. It's being mocked. The mockery for the believers in the New Testament was amazing. In fact, if you would, go, let's, let's, let's look at a couple of things to help you put it into context. Go to Acts chapter 19 and look at verse number 9. Acts chapter 19 and verse number 9. So when somebody is rich in this world but poor in faith, okay, then God tells us, do you not understand that when you give these people credence that they're going to lord over you? They are going to draw you away. They become cliquish. But more than that, they make fun of. They blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called. What that's saying is you and I are known for Jesus Christ in the simplicity of it, but people who are rich... And, and, and again, please know this. I'm glad if God has blessed you, but your blessings outside these walls have no bearing on your importance inside these walls. They just don't. And by the way, praise God for that. But very few pastors will say that. So, so look what it says here. So in Acts chapter 19 and verse number 9, all of a sudden the book of Acts, these are the Acts of the Apostles, in Acts chapter 19, and let me get to it, verse number 9, back up to verse number 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake what? Evil of that way. So in the New Testament, this group of believers were known to people of that way. Have you, have you ever heard the term, well, you know how they are? 
I'm an independent Baptist. Do you know how many times independent Baptists have been referred to as, well, you know how they are. That's just how they are. Why are we even marveled at this kind of stuff? They did, that's, that's the same thing happened. They couldn't even say Jesus followers. They had that way. Okay, look at, and again, in Acts chapter 19, verse, same chapter, look at verse 23. Verse 23. Verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he passed through Macedonia and, and, and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about what? That way. So what he was saying was this. Those are the people that live that way. They are that way because Christ was that way. And it was just a continuation. So, 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 and that's what he was saying here. He said, look, when rich people get involved, they start separating with their words when they start blaspheming and making fun and mocking. Well, well, you, you, you know how they are. Well, you, you know how those people are. The same thing happened back here. Look at Acts chapter 9. Go back to Acts chapter 9. So there is that way. And then there's one, one other way they, they referred to him. You know, isn't it wonderful when, you, when people don't know how to describe you, so they just got to say them? Look at this, verse number two. Verse nine, and Saul yet bringing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if any be found, that if he found any of this way. Okay, so this way. Go to Acts chapter 22 and verse number 4, and then we'll go back and end in James for this, for this time. James, Acts, Acts 22 and verse number 4. So now it is this way. So it was that way, and now this way. Acts 22 and verse number 4. Back up to verse 1, put in context. Men, brethren, fathers, uh, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that, he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them. They kept the more silent faith. I am verily a man, verse 3, which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, uh, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught uh, according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted, what? This way unto death, binding to delivering into prison both men and women. Now, with that in mind, go back to James. And this is what James was saying. James was saying, it's, it's a third rhetorical question, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? This is who we're walking after. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end by going back to the first verse when he said this, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, Lord, the uh, faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. When, when you and I as a church can keep at the forefront that, that the only important person in this house is the Lord Jesus Christ, that's it. That's why our very first core value on the side wall is preeminence of Christ. Preeminence of Christ. There's only one that's supreme here, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody else is on the same level. 
And when we parade through church like we are superior to people around us, and I'm talking about every other church except us, when we parade like we're superior to everybody around us, then what happens is we now create a caste system and now we become partial when this should not, this should not be it. So the very first core value is preeminence. The third core value is the proper treatment of others because now it has to fall in line with our assembly because now we're getting to get ready next week. Look at verse number eight. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. So how do you combat, how do you go against rich people coming into church that might want to destroy Emmanuel Baptist Church from the inside out? You know how you do it? Love everybody. Love everybody. I, 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 I take seriously when I have not shaken somebody's hand, when I have not acknowledged somebody. I, I try to shake everybody's hand. I try to get to the guests um, that are here. And, and when I'm made aware, Pastor, you walked right past that person and you didn't talk to that person, I cannot tell you how I don't want this kind of church. I don't want that to where I am only catering and respecting those who have. Everybody's welcome. Everybody deserves to be here. And I'm going to shake everybody, and I try my best. And when I'm made aware that I haven't done it, y'all listen, as pastor, that tears me up because the day I become callous that, oh, they'll get over it, when this pastor becomes callous like that, that's the day I need to resign and go do something else because we have to set the tone, and that is this. If you come in in vile raiment or you come in in goodly apparel, everybody's equal in this house. And if you're rich and you want to see the prominence, please go find another church. And if you're poor and you're trying to scam people, go find another church. But if you're rich and poor in faith, and if you're poor and you're rich in faith, if you're just coming looking for God, we can do this. We can do this. I asked this person if I could use this story um, uh, just about this. We had the church Bible publishers, and, and so, um, so I bought a Bible um, for, for someone when we first moved here. And, um, and, and they were a new believer, and, and they probably could have bought me 10 Bibles. And uh, so I bought them one Bible, and, and I had their name put on it, and I was waiting for them to come to church. And I walked up to them, and I said, look, um, I think the best thing I could ever give you is a Bible. And, and, and they unwrapped that Bible, and when they looked at it, now again, I believe they could have bought 10 of these things and not even batted an eye. But when they looked at that Bible, they went, Pastor, can I tell you something? This is my very first King James Bible. Okay, that look on their face and then they had their NIV sitting right there. They said, this is my very first King James Bible. And they took it and they put it on top of that NIV. And then I said, oh, osmosis won't work there. <laughs> and they just started laughing. Osmosis means the scientific way, forget it. And, uh, 
But you know what we want? We want people that they're just looking for the Lord. They're just looking for the Lord. And there are a lot of people. Do you know what they're after? Where can I go to church? Where can I be around a group of people who won't judge me, who won't look at me, who won't be after me, and they just want the Lord to be pleased? Where, where, where do I find a church like that? You know what my hope is? My hope is this, is that we as believers can go, why do we act the way we act? Because pastor is going to get on to us? No, because we saw it in James chapter 2, and, and we're going to act this way in James chapter 2. I have only been a member of three churches. Um, I was a member of Landmark Baptist Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, a member of First Baptist, four churches, I should say, a member of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, uh, Faith Baptist Church in uh, Kankakee, Illinois, and then Longview Baptist Temple, now Emmanuel Baptist Church. I've only been a member of four churches, four churches. And I can tell you that each of those pastors that I had was very big on this. Everybody's on level ground. Everybody's on level ground. My dad tells a story to where Deacon met him out here with a tape, with a tape, and uh, to where there's a lot of money that Sunday, and um, back in 1980. And, uh, and he said, basically, if you play ball, there's more where this came from, right? This tape of money. And, uh, and my father tells the story that, you know, basically come back next Sunday and you'll get more of the same. I'm not letting up and I don't want your money. I don't want your money. And I find it very interesting that it is true that a pastor, if he's not careful, will start making church about what people have. But know this, again, your riches, my riches, even we combine them all together, we're poor compared to Jesus Christ. Because true riches are not found in the pocketbook. True riches are found in what we have right in here in earthen vessel. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.